0: Shabbat. Shalom. I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. Your bragging isn't good. Don't you know that a tiny grain of yeast makes a whole batch of dough rise? Clean out the old yeast so you can be a new batch of dough, given that you're supposed to be unleavened bread. Yeshua, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. As I'm moving this mic, it was requested that I say what et was. So, et... A great wise Hebrew teacher once told me, "Who shall remain possibly red in the cheeks at this moment?" Um, is the marker of the direct object. It's very exciting, isn't it? So when you see et, the thing that comes after et is the direct object. Definite, Definite direct object. Definite direct object. Now the grammatical significance. I'm going to say, as Heim would say, there's some great grammatical significance of all those et's. What it actually is, I don't know. That's what Heim says. So I would le- I would I would leave part B of the question uh, for Dr. DeLaire. But other, but but for now, et is the marker of the definite direct object. Does that make sense? I know. <laughs> this is the problem when you learn languages. The, one of the biggest problems I found, at least at it's, it's seminary. Uh, for sure, when you're learning a, a second language is a lot of other, unless you do a, the biblical, li- the living language method, which is the way we all learn. This is part of the message, by the way. Uh, unless you, you the, the way we, we learn languages normally, just sort of hearing immersion, that's Dr. DeLayre's method in terms of learning biblical languages. Because traditionally what happens is you learn them from the ground up, like here's the alphabet, and then you learn the grammar rules and how to conjugate verbs. And the problem that I've, that I've found with that is this exact thing. You you, you hearken back, as Chaim says, to your dim and distant past. Maybe you did good in high school English, maybe you didn't. But you start thinking, what's a direct object? What's an indirect object? What's a participle? What's, you know, uh, what's an infinitive? I remember learning Spanish. I was like, you're me the infinitive, the infinitive, the infinitive. I'm like, I was too embarrassed to raise my hand and say, what's an infinitive? So anyways, you're right. That's So you learn that et is the marker of the definite direct object, but then you're like, well, what's the definite direct object? So that's, I'll leave that for another day. But sometimes people have to learn English grammar before they learn Hebrew or Greek or any other language, so that's kind of, that's what you came for today, to learn about (laughs) the marker of the definite direct object. In other words, it's really not, it's not, when you see translations, that word's not translated, it's pointing to the next word that gets translated. So it doesn't really get translated, it's just a, a mark whose baby is crying? What is that? Did you, lady? Oh, that's my baby, sorry. So Kim Red from 1 Corinthians 5, uh, this is, uh, as you've heard, this is the, the week, you know, uh, Jewish holidays and feast days are, are I'd say they're, they're not like birthdays, you know, on a birthday, you wake up and it's your birthday, you know, and that's sort of the moment you think about it, unless you're a little kid, right? If you're a little kid, you're talking about it for a long time before and you're preparing for your birthday. But in general, we don't, sort of celebrate holidays like that, I think, here in our country. But in the in the Bible, and the biblical holidays, and in the Jewish calendar, there's preparation for holidays. And so this is, uh, you know, a week from tomorrow, we're going to be celebrating Passover. So if you haven't got your tickets, you've probably been hearing about this for weeks and weeks, is you want to get your tickets, today is the, is the last day to get those. Um, so you should make the commitment and to, to get that done if you haven't already. Um, so, but as part of that, and even when you read, when you read the New Testament... When Yeshua celebrates the, the Last Supper. He says to his disciples, "Hey, today's a Passover. Let's celebrate the Passover, right?" No, he says, "Go ahead make preparations for us to to, to celebrate the the the, the supper." That's what he and his disciples talk about, so there's preparation that go go into um, the observance of 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 our holidays, and specifically, we're we're going to be in the Passover frame of mind right now. Uh, one of the things we do, and he's going to talk about the more details of the Passover itself next week, but in preparation, this might be review for some of you and it might be brand new information for some of you, uh, is that we, re- we are told to remove uh, from our diets and from our houses leaven, okay? And that's kind of the background for this passage that was read from 1 Corinthians 5. If you know nothing about the Passover, this may be a foreign, you know, it will be a completely foreign uh, verse to you, this idea that Paul's talking about purging the leaven and so forth. what's that all about? So because of that, and because we're in this week leading up to Passover, I wanted to spend our time today talking about leaven and the removal of leaven. Um, we won't cover everything, but I want to talk about it from three perspectives. And those three perspectives are from tradition, from Torah and from the perspective of today. And I'll go through kind of what each one of those is as I go through. So it's TTT. You have to keep alliteration so you remember things. So if you remember nothing else, we're doing uh, the removal of leaven, about leaven, and and leaven removal from the perspective of of, uh, tradition, Torah, and today. So tradition. When I say tradition, I'm talking uh, Jewish tradition, um, kind of what we see nowadays. And I'm going to talk, sort of start off with sort of what I would say is a Normative um, view of leaven removal, okay, something that we would promote here at Yeshuaot Zion, or if you were to have a seder in your house with your family or friends, something you would do, some things you would do, and to kind of move and conclude with some of maybe some of the more uh, very religious things that are done today that you may or may not even be familiar with. They might be news to you, um, so we'll kind of go through some of those. So, from from the perspective of tradition, uh, tradition says that in tradi- traditional Judaism, that is says that the removal of leaven at Passover, um, the teaching is that, that leaven is a symbol of vanity, a symbol of arrogance, a symbol of, of you know, being puffed up, and so forth. And in general, you could put it under the umbrella of sin. So they say, an you know, leaven equals sin, and, and so forth. And you want to remove it, especially coming into a holiday like Passover, where we're celebrating freedom and deliverance, and so forth. You want to get those things as you're embarking on that journey. You want to get that, that stuff out of your mind. Um, so what happens is, you do that. You remove you remove leaven from your home and from your diet for a week because if you read in, in Exodus and we'll read a little bit from there, the feast of unleavened bread is a seven day feast. that Kind of coincides with Passover. They're they're, they're linked together. And so you're removing removing leaven at that time. So what happens is you you take all the, the bread and bread kind of products out of your house, and you take all those things out of your house uh, for f- uh, prior to the Passover. And then right before the Passover starts, there's a, there's a part of our a service, a part of the, 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 lit- the rituals, the, the tradition, called uh, the searching for the leaven. In Hebrew, it's called bidikat chametz. And so that's the searching for the leaven. And traditionally, typically, what happens is, is you plant, or the, plant, the, the, the mother of the house will plant little pieces of remaining bread items around the house. Uh, some tradition says you put ten pieces that represent the ten plagues, you might find different numbers. But the bottom line is there's pieces that are left. And the father of the house goes around the house with the children, uh, typically with three items, um, a candle, a feather, and a wooden spoon. Okay, And boy, you can get into all kinds of symbolism with those things. But basically a flashlight to look, you know, a candle, some kind of light to look in the little corners and so forth where this stuff has been hidden. You take the feather or the broom and you sweep it into the spoon or your dustpan. And that's the last supposed remaining leaven. You take that leaven out of the home. In, in and into a, uh, either you, you throw it away, or you bury it, or it's burned, and that 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 traditional thing is called bi'ur chametz, the burning or disposing of the leaven. Um, and then what's what's done is there's a declaration that's made called betul chametz. And this, this declaration, uh, I'll read to you what the what the declaration is. Basically, it's it said in Hebrew and English, and you say that. After you've done all these things, you've taken the leaven out, you've done the extra little search for leaven, is that you say, any leaven that is in my possession, which I have or have not found, which I have or have not removed, shall be t- to me as you know, the dust of the earth. It's as if it doesn't exist. So you make that declaration. Now that declaration, sounds like a very legal declaration, um, is what we call a CYT Declaration. You might know it by a different word, but CYT does not stand for Congregation Yeshua, It Stands for Cover Your tuchus. and uh, <laughs> you might know it by its other acronym, which I won't get into. If you're not an English speaker, ask your neighbor. So you're kind of covering yourself to make sure, and that's kind of the normative, the normative way of getting rid of the of the leaven in your house. Now. Some of the stuff that goes on uh, in more religious settings with leaven, pretty intense. Um, there's definite arguments about what exactly is leaven, and maybe you've, you've wondered this sometimes. I mean, leaven basically is yeast baking soda, something that bubbles up, something that, that causes things to rise. But believe me, if you do any searching on, on Google, you know, you Google something, or you look on the Internet about removing of, of leaven, you will enter what Chaim says, like the black hole of just, I mean, barley wheat spelt. Barley wheat spelt that's come in contact with something that hasn't been cooked within 18 minutes. Uh, legumes, yes or no, big debates. You know, certain, uh, certain alcohol, big debates. You know, what, what is, is there grain, are there grains in there which are leaven and so forth. And it gets pretty intense. So I had a few things I wanted to just read to you. That uh, and Hopefully you'll see why here in a minute. Because you may not be aware, and it was sort of, not news to me, but just pretty impressive. Um, and these are things I've printed from a website. I won't tell you the organization, but this is not some fringe, you know, this is a mainstream big time Jewish organizations that, that publish some of this stuff. Um, so ridding one's home of all chametz, or leavened foods during Passover is not simple. Most of us have pantries and freezers which are full of items which are not kosher for Passover. In addition, eliminating all, the, all this stuff would include thoroughly scouring every utensil, pot, pan, which has come in contact with these things in order to rid them of any residue that's on these items. So the rabbis conceived of a, a device, a, a, they call a halachic device, a, 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 a rabbinic ruling on how to do this. And basically what you do is you put everything in a, in a cabinet in your home, or in a particular room in your home and you seal that home off and you sublease it to a non-Jew. <laughs> so in this manner, the chametz, or the, the leaven, no longer belongs to you until the end of the Passover when it's, when it's uh, bought back from the non-Jew. And this kind of reminds me sometimes, I think, you know, someone said, would you, like, would you like some ice cream? Oh, no, I'm on a diet. We'll just eat their ice cream because it's theirs. The calories belong to them, and you can just eat theirs, and it'll be, you know, calorie-free for you. Um, that's kind of the picture I get there. Um... But you know, your, your local rabbi can transact the sale for you after obtaining a power of attorney from you to, to sell your hummets. And I mean, it gets real and it gets real you know, it gets very complicated after this. How do you get it back at the end of Passover? It has to you have to make sure that the stuff you get back after Passover was not in the possession of a Jew during Passover. Well, if it's a Jewish-owned store we got to look at the percentage ownership of the corporation. Is it 51%? I'm not joking about this. Is it 51% Gentile owned? Is it 50%? You know, who had it during that time? What about food distributors? And boy, it gets pretty complicated. But rest assured, you're, not, you're okay because it says you can also sell your chametz online <laughs> by clicking here. And I clicked there. And I have the online chametz uh, sales form right here. You've got the seller name, the chametz location. The additional Hummets locations, because Jews may have you know, rental property and stores and things like that. And then to ask the question, where will you be on the morning of April 3rd, 2015? Quick, where will you be? Anyone know? I don't know. What time zone will you be in? Because you've got to get it sold by a particular time on, on Monday, April the 3rd, and so forth. So it's very, very interesting there. And so I did one other thing on, I think it was Thursday night. I was really curious. I know Chris Ayers is thinking the same question right now. I know it. So I did what Chris would have done. I went to the App Store. Sure enough, the No chomets app <laughs> helps Jews go through the process of searching, <laughs> cleaning—you can't don't search it now, by the way—that's breaking the Sabbath. You look at it later, destroying and selling their chametz The app helps you search for the chametz by giving you the the, the rulings, the halacha, the, the blessings, a checklist, and a flashlight. Your phone, you can flash Finally, it helps you sell your comments with a link to organizations and so forth, and it is available for iPhone, iPad, and iPod touch. And you know, it's easy for us to ridicule this type of behavior, you know? We, we, we laugh at it and so forth. Um, because again, these, these, these things seem pretty aggressive in some ways, and pretty intense. When you read this stuff, I'm telling you, you're like, really? I mean, percentage ownership of the corporation? And how do you find that out per se? You know, per se? And what if you happen to mess up? I mean, it seems pretty intense. Um, and we can, we can laugh at it and ridicule it and so forth. However, I want to I stop here for a moment and, and propose that that's on the one hand. On the other hand, intensity and aggressiveness, I think, uh, are necessary when it comes to living up to God's, you know, what, what he's put in his, in his Bible for us, in his, in his Torah, in, the, in the, 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 the level at which he wants us to live. Sometimes that, that takes some intensity and aggressiveness to, uh, to do that. To follow his standards for living. That is, on the one hand, of course. On the other hand, let's let's we have to be balanced. We have to realize that we don't want to get so mired down and so caught up in these details that we miss the point, which is just that living by God's standards and not just appearing as though we are, eating someone else's calories, subletting our our cabinets to people, you know, things like that. So I, don't, I want to. We can take something from that, can't we? So I mentioned at the outset of this tradition section that leaven is seen as a, as a metaphor for, for vanity, for arrogance, and some would even say sin. So is that true? Is that true? Is that why we are commanded at, at Passover to rid our, our diets and rid our homes of leaven? Is it because it's, it represents sin? Now, from a tradition standpoint... I have a real hard time with that. I think that that analogy doesn't really add up because when you take it to its completion, then what we're saying is, you know, okay, the week before Passover, eat up all your sin, hypocrisy, and you know, and arrogance. You don't want to waste it, right? Just got a good deal on it at the store, right? You got a whole closet full. Let's 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 gobble it up, or let's just sell it to somebody else so that after Passover we can we can then re- re- regain all of our of our sin and hypocrisy. Give it to to someone else for safekeeping, right? But we always have that that bagel on the horizon, you know, for after Passover. (laughs) So taking, you know, sin and arrogance, pride and vanity as the substance behind the leaven, removal at Passover, I don't think that's particularly helpful. And that might be news to you, but I think that's not particularly helpful if we just consider that, if we think, okay, leaven equals sin. We see leaven, we say sin, you know. So I think because of that, it takes us to our next step. We want to go to to Scripture to, to look a little more at this topic. And uh, that leads us to our next section of discussion, which is Torah. And based on the simple reading of Torah, and we'll go through some, some, some pertinent verses in the Torah, when I say Torah, Genesis uh, through Deuteronomy, a simple, straightforward reading of that, um, my answer will still be no. No, leaven does not represent sin when we look in the Torah. So let's look a little bit at the Torah for that. The three words, three main words in the Torah we find uh, when, when the discussion of, 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 of chametz or leaven comes up. One of them is chametz, but I'll go through the three words. The, the first word uh, is the Hebrew word seor, and seor is the word, the basic definition is the word for, for leaven, leaven, leaven um, seor. And then you have matzot, which most of us are familiar with, unleavened bread itself. And then we have chametz. You'll hear that word quite a bit. Chametz. I said chametz, 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 That's the thing that is leavened. So you got seor, which is leaven, and uh, sometimes it's a, it means sour or too sour. But in, in general, seor is leaven. And then you've got matzot, which matzah, and then chametz, which is that which is leavened. So in the Torah, we see the first the first occurrence of any of these words. We find in, in Genesis Genesis nineteen three. This is where Lot uh, is the, the city's getting ready to be destroyed. And the two angels of the Lord are there, and Lot talks them in to come into his home, and he, he feeds them, and he gives them matzot. So that's the first time we see that, that he gives them matzot, unleavened bread. Um, the next time, pardon me, next time we see this is in Exodus 12, and some of this was read today. Kind of neat thing about the service today, we don't really coordinate everything between the worship and, and what's read in the responsive reading and the message, but there's going to be a lot of repeat today. Some of the scriptures that were read, some of the songs that were read. That's kind of cool. Some of the repetition that's going to go on today, but Exodus twelve, eight, I believe, it was in the responsive reading. Um, maybe twelve fifteen was. Anyways, uh, we see the, the the menu for Passover when God says, "This is the menu. This is what you shall eat for Passover. You're going to eat roasted lamb, and you're going to eat uh, you're going to eat uh, matzah and bitter herbs." So you see matzot again. That's the matzot word. Because sometimes in your Bibles, you know, you don't know what's really behind the word there. But that's, that's the matzah word. So that's the menu you're going to eat. That's, so when it comes to Passover, we'll talk about this at our Passover. Those are the three things that were commanded. Everything else might actually be tradition, that even, even in the Last Supper that Jesus did, you know, tradition. Um, but matzah, roasted uh, lamb and bitter herbs. The next place we want to go, and if you want to flip in your Bibles here, this would be helpful for you. This is Exodus 12 and verse 15. This is the first occurrence where we have these three words, kind of an interplay between these three words. So depending on your translations, if you've got the new uh, uh, Tree of Life version, yours is going to be a little more, little more specific. If not, you might have. I put a different translation here for, for me to kind of give you the, what it might very well be in your Bible there. These three words come together in Exodus 12:15. Here it reads that seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And the word there is matzah, matzot. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. And that's the word seor. And then it says, for whoever eats leavened bread, chametz is the word there, from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So this is the real sort of command uh, on, on ridding ourselves of the leaven and so forth. It uses the three words in conjunction there. And it's very emphatic. It's kind of, when you read that, it's like, you know, God is basically saying, you know, don't eat anything with leaven. Okay, don't eat anything already leavened. Don't have leaven in your houses. okay. Just eat matzah. It's like redundant and very emphatic. And it it reminds me of sort of how I have to deal with my kids uh, in the car sometimes, you know, when they're they're in the back, and I say, keep your hands to yourself. I wish that were enough, you know. I say, no, keep your hands to yourself. Don't touch him. Don't touch her. Don't pretend like you're going to touch him or her. Don't come near to touching him or her. Don't brush up against him or her, you know. Don't look like... You know what I mean? It's the same kind of idea there. It's like very emphatic. It's not just don't eat leaven, you know, and don't touch your sister, don't touch your brother. It's very emphatic. We'll come back to that in a moment. I want to go through a couple of places in the Torah. Um, some of the things were mentioned today, too. In Leviticus, we're into Leviticus. Um, we looked at Genesis, Exodus. I'm not going over each and every example, but kind of the general ideas that are given about these words. In Leviticus, we have examples of, of offerings, and you've got offerings that are. To be made without leaven, but you've also got offerings that are to be made with leaven. There's a particular one, actually. I think about in, in, in the feast of um, uh, we we'll talked about first fruits in Leviticus 23 um, during the feast of weeks, the feast of Pentecost. We have noticed Pentecost often. Uh, these are offerings that were specifically to be made with leaven. Wave offerings, loaves of bread, they're way before the Lord. That were that were first fruits, first fruits to the Lord. So you see both ways in Leviticus. And then in Numbers, when you get to Numbers, there's, there's examples of the, of the same sort of offerings found in Leviticus, and you can delve, Joanne had mentioned all the different types, and you can delve into all the different details within the offerings, but the bottom line for our discussion is that there's really nothing about leaven itself, I think, that would, in the Torah, that would say that, you know, leaven, when you see leaven, think sin. You know, leaven equals sin. And therefore, the command uh, to remove it at Passover is not necessarily connected to sin. But back to, my, you know, back to that, that passage in Exodus, the emphatic passage, it's very emphatic there. And if it's, if it's not, you need to remove this leaven, you need to not have leaven in your houses, you need to not think about leaven, talk about leaven, just eat matzah. Why is that if it's not, if it's not connected you know, with sin? And that takes us to Deuteronomy. I think Deuteronomy 16, you flip uh, forward to there. Deuteronomy 16, one, verses 1 to 3, is really the most, uh, gives us the most insight into why we do this at Passover, from the perspective of, you know, of what the Torah says to do. Deuteronomy sixteen, one through three. It says, Observe the month of Aviv, keep the Passover to Adonai your God, for in the month of Aviv, Adonai your God brought you out of Egypt by night. You were to sacrifice the Passover offering to Adonai your God from the flock and the herd, in the place where Adonai chooses to make his name dwell. You are not to eat chametz with it. Okay? So for seven days you are to eat matzah with it. The bread of affliction, and that's a new term. That's a term there we see for the first time as well. And then this last little part, I think, is the instructive part for us is when we remove leaven, what we're thinking about at Passover and what the real thing is here. It says, "...for you came out from the land of Egypt in haste. Do this so that all the days of your life you will remember the day when you came out from the land of Egypt." And Floyd mentioned it during the prayer today. When you, when you read in, in the Torah, you see over and over, remember, 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 remember. The leaven is a picture of this remembrance here. Um, the removal of yeast reminds us of God's deliverance. It takes us back to the Exodus. And it's not just for them and for us here, I want us to think about it. It's not just, oh, delivered us from slavery. They delivered us from slavery. Remember what happened that night. They were delivered from slavery, but they were spared physical death as well that blood on the, on the doorpost and so forth that caused the angel of the Lord to pass over that brought death on the Egyptian firstborn. That's what they, that they were spared at that time. And God had a plan for this all along. In Genesis, when you go back to Genesis 15, when, when he put Abram to sleep and he kind of recounted the, the covenant to him, he said, look, you know, your, people, you're gonna, your people are going to be enslaved for a period of 400 years, but after that time, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to deliver them. And he did that. And he did it quickly, so quickly, that the bread didn't have time to rise. That's the remembrance. You might think, quickly. Quickly? 400 years is quickly to you? (laughs) Well, to our minds, maybe no. Uh, But maybe, as far as God is concerned, it was exactly the right time. And that's what the the, the removal of leaven is meant to remind us during the observance of this festival. That's what the leaven's about. It's not about get it out because it's sin. It's to remind us of the deliverance and the haste in which the deliverance happened, even from God, maybe not from our perspective, from God's perspective. And, you know, I'm sure that sometimes it does feel like God has maybe been taking 400 years <laughs> in, a, in your life to do things as well. But just as he delivered the nation of Israel in his timing at this very time of the year, he can and he does do the same for us whether it feels like 400 years or not, and the same is true for us as well, it's not just that he can do things in your life. The fact is, if you trust that Yeshua is the Messiah, uh, it's no different for us in terms of our our being spared uh, eternal death and separation from him as well. It's passed over you, regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of whether you think you're in year 4 or year 387 of what's been going on for you, the reality is you've been spared uh, and you've been given eternal life. Through 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 the Messiah. So as, as we remove the leaven from our houses this week and from your diets the week a, you know the week after, uh, if you're doing that, uh, use that as a, a remembrance of those those very important truths. Again, uh, not not so much the sin aspect. So, well let's let's continue though because we're we're making our way. We've, we've talked about tradition, talked about Torah. Remember the last one? Today. Today. Yeah. So today, in the sense of today, is kind of a catch-all phrase, uh, just kind of what we can glean, I think, from the entirety of the Bible, certainly what was read today. First Corinthians, we'll look at that, Um, the perspective of of where we are today with the perspective of, of the whole Torah and how we might look at how that can be a devotional perspective as we prepare for the Passover and beyond the Passover. So we're into the New Testament. New Testament, that must be where we get our idea of leaven being the picture of sin, Right? Well, this is Yeshua Tzion. What's the answer to, to that question? Yes and no. That's right. Yes and no. So let's look at a few passages, including, we'll, look, we'll start off with 1 Corinthians 5. If you're there, if you can turn there to 1 Corinthians 5, uh, was read, I think we read 6 and 7 today, but I want to start back at verse 1. We'll kind of look at it in, in its immediate context, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, and we'll start at verse 1. All right, so Paul here says that it is actually reported that among you there is sexual immorality and such immorality as is not even among the pagans that someone has his father's wife and you are puffed up. Shouldn't you have mourned instead so that the one who did this deed might be removed from among you? I'm going to skip down to verse 6 where we were. It says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little hummets? Now you know what chametz is. This is the TLV. Uh, Leavens the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old chametz so that you may be a new batch, just as you are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old chametz, the chametz of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread, the matzah of sincerity and truth. So we see in in context here that the leaven has to do with sexual immorality. That's what the leaven has to do with there, a man sleeping with his father's wife specifically, uh, probably his his stepmother most likely. And Paul's admonition is to not be puffed up. He's warning against this, and he says to get rid of the the chametz of malice and wickedness and to not gloss over the sin of immorality. But we could get into a lot of other things there. I'm trying to stick with the the Passover theme, but there's a lot there, um, certainly with regard to unity and things we've been talking about and how things affect the group. But let's look at the gospel. Let's look at some words of Yeshua. Luke chapter 12. Now, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 1. There's parallel passages in Matthew and Mark as well that say the same thing. Uh, Luke chapter 12 says, Yeshua tells his disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In Luke, he gives it more, he actually illuminates what that is. He says, which is hypocrisy. So beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So leaven is sin, right? Yes and no. Still in Luke, let's go to Luke 13. Luke thirteen twenty to 21. And we find this in Matthew as well. It says basically the same thing. Yeshua here says, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? What shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So the the point is that there are clearly multiple pictures of leaven uh, in the New Testament, both positive and negative. But where I want to land and and sort of park for a little bit is is the common thread that goes between all of those examples that we we read, the Corinthians and the passage in Luke uh, and, and the other passage here in Luke we're reading, the common thread between the two, and the reason that the image is used here of leaven is because leaven is something that permeates. You've probably heard this before, something that spreads. And it doesn't take much. It just takes a little bit. So positive or negative, as Yeshua says in the example of the kingdom, spreading like yeast in dough, it's powerful. Okay, a little bit can affect a whole lot. When you look at the measurements, when it says three measures of dough, it's actually a lot of, of dough that that little bit of leaven um, impacted. So it's not so much, and this may seem subtle, but I, I want you to think about it a bit. It may seem subtle, but it's not so much that leaven, when you see leaven or read about leaven, that leaven equals sin, and i got to get rid of it. No, sin acts like leaven. Hypocrisy, arrogance, these kind of things act like leaven. It's, it's, it's a difference. It's, it's subtle, but it is a difference. It's significant, because when we do try all that typology, you know, every time you see oil, it means this, and every time you see, you know, a... Uh, a tent peg, it means this. And every time you see bronze, it means this. You know, you kind of get lost in some of those things sometimes. And the reality is, is that, leaven acts like, I mean, that sin acts like leaven. It's not that leaven always equals sin necessarily. So I have two freshly baked lumps of dough here, okay? <laughs> Wonderful. So two two lumps of dough prepared at the same time, okay? One has yeast. One doesn't. Okay, you know which one does? Which one contains the yeast? Has eleven. Wow. Now, if you ever worked with with, with uh, baking before, or, or uh, you know, making bread and worked with yeast, you kind of know how it works. Though, ask Jorge, who makes the, the challah. He, uh, he he could tell you that um, once it's in there, it's in there, and it's going to spread. Right? You can't say, "Oops, I'm going to get that out of there and pick it out." Right? Kind of like. Uh, Trail mix, you know. Some people, I'm sure some, no one here does this, but you ever you know, pick out the M&Ms from the trail mix, right? That is, man, that is a no-no in our house, right? you got to take what you get, Levia, right? Uh, you know, you cannot pick out the chocolate from the trail mix. But you can't do that with leaven. It's not like that, okay? Your lump of dough with a little bit of leaven, whichever one it is there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to easily expand to three times its size, Jorge, I mean, Easily, right? The point is, is that that it, that sin is uh, ins- insidious. You know, what insidious means it's it's ugly, it's bad, it's it's stealthy, sneaky, um, deceitful. It can be inconspicuous. I don't really know where it is, right? Don't know where it's hiding, which one it's hiding in. Uh, it can oftentimes uh, be seemingly harmless because it's just a little bit, but in reality, it has grave, grave effects. And that's where this idea in Corinthians here about purging the leaven comes in. That's that's where this idea comes from. And again, it's the picture that, that sin acts this way. And, you know, we, we do things. We try to compartmentalize. Uh, we try to, you know, mask off certain areas of our life thinking that, you know, so I get a little excited at sporting events. That doesn't really affect me over here, you know, or so you know, So we think, right? Whatever it might be. I threw that one out randomly, uh, Whatever it is, things we, 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 let, we let into our mind, we think, well, that's, that's part of this part of my life, and it really has no effect on other areas. But, but no, just like leaven, it's there. It will expand. It will grow. It will puff up. It will permeate, and it will become visible eventually if we let these sit long enough. One of them will show themselves to, to which one has the leaven and which one doesn't. And getting rid of it, Getting rid of it is not that easy. It isn't always obvious, like Paul's example in First Corinthians here, you know, where it's a man has his father's wife. It's pretty obvious. We can see the, the insidiousness there, the sin there, very much out in the open. Like when we're when we're cleaning out our, our house for Passover, it's pretty easy. I mean, there there are times actually, you know, we, we actually missed a pack of yeast one time, believe it or not. Fleischmann's yeast, Y-E-A-S-T, right there in yellow in the can. We we missed that one. But in general, it's pretty easy. I said we, and I wasn't pointing my finger at anybody, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's not always that obvious. Again, right, there's, there's the loaf of bread that's in the cabinet, right? We get that out. We get the yeast out. Um, what about the, the breadcrumbs in the toaster, right? Uh, you thought about that one, right? Okay, great. So then that's an easy one. What about behind the appliances? You know, pull the, whoever pulled their fridge out before in the last four months, you know? So you know, we knew we know about that. We pulled that one out. Well, what about the, the, the crumbs in the back of the cabinet? What about the 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 leaven that's caught up in the in the dustpan? You, you dumped that. You washed it. Great. What about the broom bristles? How about how about the treads of your shoe? Holy treads of your house slipper. You think you're getting all the leaven out? You know. You think it's really happening? Okay. You did that. You washed your shoes. You took a bristle brush, stiff bristle brush to your shoes. Anyone have heating and cooling in their house with forced air? How about any crumbs in the ductwork? Yeah, how about that, right? You don't want to live with me, do you? I say all that because I want, I want us to think about it. You know, as we consider and as we engage in the removal of, of physical leaven this week from our homes and from our diets, um, we need to think about these same things being removed from, that are inside of us as well. Those things that might be small, they might be hidden, but nonetheless need to be removed and you know it's um, this is not you know you maybe have heard this before we t- this idea of self examination this is not about self examination um, on the one hand you know we, we can talk self examination i 'm not throwing it all away, but at the core of it, when we think about we want to examine ourselves and consider what's what 's wrong and so forth. One thing that we may not be realizing is that what we're saying to God sometimes with that is that we know what's right, we know what's wrong, we know the big problems, we know the small problems, we know exactly what's going on with us. Maybe maybe you do, maybe it's an obvious thing, maybe you don't though. Sometimes we we think about something's a major item when really it's a minor item, you know? And vice versa, we think something's a minor item. It's a minor, it's small, but it actually could be a big thing or turn into a big thing. So, you know, even even the best surgeons in the world can't operate on themselves, right? At some point, you have to sort of submit yourself to, to the surgeon, to the anesthesia, and allow that to happen. So this is not as much... I don't want to leave you so much with this idea that we need to embark on a, on a self-examination as much as we need to be willing at this time to put ourselves on the examination table, you know? And, and having... Uh, Having God take a look at the situation, asking Him to—that's the real way to get that insidious, small leaven-like stuff out of our lives. It's not going to happen through just sheer grit and willpower. It's just not going to happen. That's not going to be the fullness uh, we're going to get that way. Amen. So, as, as we're as you're thinking about that, I want to I want to just take the, the, the last few moments here as you're thinking about that again, thinking about this time of preparation. On the one hand, you know, the, the leaven is reminding us of of, of what happened at. At the exodus, let's not forget that. But let's remember that that sin itself acts like leaven, and that and that that's we need to have the Lord to cleanse those things out again, as opposed to us just sort of self-examining. So, as you're thinking about that, what I'd like to do is I want to read a few verses from the Psalms. Specifically, these are Psalms of David. Uh, just sort of close your eyes, listen to these, and then we'll uh, we'll conclude here in a moment. But Psalm 19, verses nine to fourteen. It says the precepts of the lord are right giving joy to the heart his commandments are pure giving light to the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever his judgments are true and altogether righteous they are more desirable than gold yes more than pure gold they are sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb moreover by them your servant is warned in keeping them there is great reward who can discern his errors Cleanse me of hidden faults. Also, keep your servant from willful sins. May they not have dominion over me. Then I will be blameless, free from from great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable before you, Adonai, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 51, verses 7 to 13. Cleanse me with hyssop. And I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, so the bones you crushed may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm one thirty nine, twenty three to twenty four. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any offensive way within me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. So let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are our redeemer. And We thank you that as you spared the Israelites from death in Egypt, through the sacrifice of innocent lambs, and as we're remembering that through the removal of leaven, Lord, we thank you that you also spare us eternal separation from you through the sacrifice of Yeshua. Lord, as we spend these upcoming days removing the physical leaven from our homes and from our diets, Lord, we ask that you remove and purge the leaven-like sin from our lives, We acknowledge, Lord, that without you, we can do nothing. So we ask that you meet with us today and the upcoming days, Lord, and cleanse us by your power. These things we ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.